Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey everybody, happy Labor Day. Welcome to this mock draft edition of Fantasy NBA Today and uh, YouTube special. Uh, my schedule is a little goofball these days, and I... Uh, well, we're in a mock draft. It's supposed to start in like two and a half minutes. We'll see if anybody actually hangs out for it. But I figured I could just pop on, and most people probably aren't hanging out with podcasts on a holiday anyway. So it just felt like a good time to do a mock, do a quick little breakdown of it, and kind of catch everybody up on how things have been going. Uh, on Friday of last week, Los Angeles Unified gave everybody or gave their kids an extra day off. So that is why um, we just had the one episode, no bonus mock today. One episode instead of two. Tomorrow, uh, my my uh, younger is has a one hour like meet your teacher's day for preschool. So that's also going to be screwball. So I'm going to try to get shows up as often as I can. Little juggling here these last few days. This Labor Day holiday weekend has been uh, a little more complicated for me to uh, get everybody the shows that I promised. I am Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D A N B E S B R I S. I know there are new of you folks, uh, new to the podcast, new to our YouTube channel. If you are listening via the traditional streams, iTunes, Spotify, whatever, come hang out with us on YouTube for these when we do them live. That is youtube.com slash sports ethos. And of course, everybody, please take a moment to five-star review this bad boy. Or if you're watching us, hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the page. We have uh, copious amounts of content, and it's just going to be ramping up the closer we get to the start of the NBA season. I am actually very excited about what we've kind of started with YouTube in like November, uh, December of last year. And we're going to carry that through because we had some really great football content here as well. Uh, we can throw up the draft board here for everybody to see, provided that uh, all the buttons that I'm clicking on my computer are still working. It's an old machine, and many of you saw that I lost a hard drive at some point. Dead. Right now, we got 9 out of 12 teams are in the room. Hopefully, we get one or two of those last ones, but uh, we'll get some information regardless. I will say something that's caught my eye lately, and I tweeted about it last night before I fell asleep. Um... I'm really falling in love with Tyrese Halliburton this year. I haven't really, like, kind of planted my flag in anybody this early because so much can still shift around. By the way, it does look like one of the remaining three uh, people actually showed up to the draft, so that's good news. So we're down to, we're, we're up to 10 out of 12. The more that I look at the Halliburton thing, the more I feel like we can get this one right three seasons in a row. Two years back, we were all aboard the high the uh, Halliburton train. Uh, Brewski was was far ahead of all of us on that one. He had him ranked very high. I had him like kind of medium high, and that was the season where he was chugging along at a really nice clip in Sacramento, and then got traded and exploded for the last month and a half of the season. This past year. I faded Halliburton. You guys probably remember that from our draft shows last year where folks were coming on the pod and they were like, I'm taking him at four. And I was like, isn't this indie team probably going to be selling pieces off? And they didn't really do that so much, but they did ultimately kind of semi-tank. At least they did late in the season. 
Halliburton had one medium-sized injury that derailed the middle part, and then they shut him down late. So the game's played is where that fade kind of took place, and it played itself out. I just, I don't think that's what's happening this year. I think Indy's trying to win. Draft is underway, by the way. Jokic, Embiid, Doncic, top three, which has been pretty much set in stone. I'm going to go ahead and take Halliburton at four, and for the first time in a mock draft, I think I'm taking somebody that I actually want in the first round. Uh, I landed at four because I wanted to see the order of the guys in front. I wanted to see if it was Jokic, Embiid, Doncic, and it was. And now I'm interested in the guys that go immediately after. So this... This Tatum-Halliburton 4-5 chunk is one where I feel pretty confident that's where those guys are going. Tatum goes 5, not surprisingly there. Shea goes 6 before Steph Curry in this draft. And Kevin Durant goes 8th, which is kind of surprising, but not overwhelmingly so. There is this big crop of guys going between 8 and 16, and we've seen them go in uh, almost every order at this point. Apparently, I did something to my computer, I don't know when, that's now allowed it to put little Hotmail notifications on my screen. That's an, super annoying. Dame goes at 9. I have no confidence at all in Damian Lillard this year. LaMelo Ball at 10, which I think does make more sense on the head-to-head than the Roto side. Um, I like LaMelo Ball actually a lot this year. I don't know if I like him that high. Uh, unless you're punting field goal, because that's really the way that he rockets up the board. This is an auto pick coming up at 11, um, so it's going to be Anthony Davis. It's not going to teach us anything. And then the dude who took LaMelo just left, so hopefully that was just a computer glitch and he'll be back. That would be very unfortunate. So there goes AD at 11. Now you got a real person here on the turn. Still no Giannis, interestingly. I thought that he would have gone at 8 or 9 or even 10. Not going to go with the auto pick, so we kind of know that. If we could get that dude back, so Giannis goes at 12, which now poses an interesting secondary question. If you're going Giannis at 12 and you know you're leaning into the free throw crapper build, yeah, there goes Anthony Edwards at 13. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, Another auto coming up here at 14. That'll be Kyrie Irving, who's been pretty consistently falling into the front end of the second round. I like the Kyrie Irving early second round pick a lot. I'm just saying. That one I haven't been all that coy about. And a lot of these guys, I'm kind of like, I'm I'm high for this reason, I'm low for this reason. Kyrie at this juncture is, I think, a good pick. I know he just signed his contract, so the fear there is it's just got paid Kyrie. I just, I feel like he knows he has some rep rehabilitation to do. Uh, Mavs shut him down at the end of last year. He also got traded, and so there was that shutdown kind of midseason Uh, I probably should have counted those up before jumping on this podcast, but effectively, if you remove the Kyrie tank games from the equation, he gets into the mid to high 60s last year, which is quite reasonable. A couple of auto picks, so uh, Kyrie and Booker come off the board. Uh, Although, uh, maybe that was a... Was that a preset? That might have been a preset. I don't think Booker was the next guy. It should have been JJJ there, I believe. Where is Booker at? Yeah, that should have been Jaron Jackson. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. 
Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Hmm. Okay, well, that's good news. That means that that dude is maybe still has has had some presets logged in and maybe he just clicked himself out. So JJJ now goes at 16. You guys know I'm not a big fan of, of Jaron Jackson Jr. as a first-rounder. Um not because he's not going to potentially have first-round per-game appeal uh, like he did last year. He was number 12. It's really more about the fact that he is kind of a hard player to build around because he's so very good in one category and just kind of fine in a lot of other stuff. But I don't want to hang on that too long. Donovan Mitchell, who's been rising, he goes 17th. Uh, I'm fine with that. You guys remember from my Fantasy NBA Today episode where we talked about Donovan Mitchell a week and some odd ago. He's a very reasonable pick in that grouping once the the previous grouping dries up. James Harden at 18. I have no confidence in James Harden. Uh, I need to see where he's going to be before I touch him with a 25-foot pole. Jimmy Butler at 19. That's a surprising one. I, I don't... I'm not really... I was, I've been sort of big time on the Jimmy Butler bandwagon for a long time and not as much this year. I think Dame comes to town. I think his job gets easier. I think they give him even more rest days uh, makes more sense, certainly, in Roto. Oh, I forgot to pick. That's my mistake. Sorry, everybody in this draft. I forgot. That was an accident, actually. Uh, Demonis Sabonis goes 20. That's perfectly reasonable. That's a very safe pick in that late second round. I auto-drafted Freddie Van Vliet. Not for any reason other than that. I was just talking, and I forgot to make my pick. Um, Mikhail Bridges at 22. Um, guy that's going to take the floor. That's a big deal at this part of the draft. You're seeing a lot of late second-round guys are this sort of like, well, he's probably not going to have a ton of per-game appeal, but damn it, he plays. Because then the guys that go after that don't really as much. Kawhi goes 23. Cat, 24, is an injury risk. For a long time, he wasn't, but he is now. Vooch goes 25. That's intriguing. And then the dude... Uh, and then I got put into auto pick because I forgot to pick again. This is what happens, man. I'm trying to catch up and talking about these guys and I'm screwing up my picks. Desmond Bain goes 26. Uh, I actually, I mean, if he falls to 26 in your draft, I think you go for it. We're seeing him go as early as 19 or 20. Not as appealing there, but still not the worst idea. LeBron at 27 is fine. Markinen, I it was my auto pick. It's that he's also actually okay at 28. Trey Young falls to 29. That's the deepest we've seen him go in pretty much any draft ever. And this is a head-to-head uh mock, which I get it. Trey Young might be like number 45 per game, but that doesn't tell the story with him if you're building into a particular mold of team. If you need the points, you need the assists, you need the free throw percent, he's worth way more than that. Woo, there go the picks quickly here. Um 
Walker Kessler at 30, that's very early on him. It's not insane because he could have a tremendous season, um, but you do chew up a lot of the potential value there. And the, to me, there are just other guys that are in this range that have a little bit more of that, that across-the-board appeal. And there's so many centers going in this range. Siakam, center eligible, goes 31. Brunson at 32. That caps him out a little bit. Victor Wembanyama at 33. DeJounte Murray, 34. Paul George goes 35. Listen, I'm not a Paul George fan on the fantasy side, but at 35, good Lord. De'Aaron Fox and Cade Cunningham. There's a little... That's a that's a uh, that's that punt that's that Giannis team so that actually kind of makes a little more sense on the Fox front. Miles Turner going thirty eighth. I mean, think about that. Like, you don't have to reach for a center this year. There are six centers going in the third round this season. Six of them. That's a ton. If you weren't aware, Darius Garland thirty nine, Adebayo and Kristaps Porzingis forty and forty one. There's more centers. Jalen Brown at 42, very safe. DeMar at 43, very safe. Evan Mobley at 44. Relatively safe, I think, for Mobley. Oh, that's me. I got to do something here. All right, I'll take Drew Holiday. That way, at least I don't get put on auto pick again. The indignity, the shame of it all. <laughs> this is an interesting mock draft. This is uh, the most we've seen names bounce around, I think, so far this year. We're into early September, too, and that might be why you're seeing people take a I think maybe, I don't want to say shots necessarily, uh, but starting to go grab their guys a little bit more. Chet Holmgren falls all the way to 46. That's the farthest we've seen him go in any mock draft we've done so far. OG at 47 is very bland. Randall at 48. That's a pick you're only making on the head-to-head side because he just he ain't getting that high in Roto. Uh, and he has these massive deficiencies that you just kind of can't paper over on the Roto side. Zach Levine, 49. Jamal Murray at 50. I'd rather have Levine of those two guys. Um, Jamal Murray is wonderful, and he could have a very good fantasy season, but off a championship run, I just... I'm sort of fading the Nuggets as a whole this year. Uh, Jokic will probably still be number one, but... I just I don't think it's as locked in stone as usual. Oh, it's my turn again. Bradley Beal goes at fifty-one. Uh, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Brandon Ingram here because I don't want Brandon Ingram. So I want to see where the guys go that I'm more interested in. Claxton goes fifty-three. I like Nick Claxton in there. That's another center, by the way, that's falling. Jared Allen still hasn't come off the board. Rudy Gobert has been going in the mid-sixties. You don't have to spend on a center in the first two rounds if you don't want to. They're everywhere this year. Jalen Williams at 54, Scotty Barnes at 55, probably not going to target those guys, and they might have fantastic seasons. Jalen Williams was better than 54 down the stretch last year. I just, I admit, I don't know exactly what the thunder on a per game, like who's going to get exactly how many shots on that club still eludes me a tiny bit. Jared Allen at 56 is a very safe center pick. He doesn't get as many blocks as it feels like he should, but he does all the other center stuff, and he does it cheaply here. Jordan Poole at 57. I thought you might see him fall farther in drafts this year because of the field goal percent, but he does have a very real shot to be a top 60 asset. So I'm not, I'm actually not that annoyed with how early Jordan Poole is going. I think he 
could quite easily get to that marker. I saw the clock winding down, and I was worried it was me for a second there. Hero at 58, that's a spot he potentially gets to if he's on the Blazers. Probably not uh, if he's still on the Heat. DeAndre Ayton at 59. He's finally going where he should have been going for a couple of years. If he stays durable, he beats that on a totals basis. Per game, that's probably about where he's at. He's probably a 50 to 60 range center. Like Gobert. A little bit behind Jared Allen. Guys, I'll say it again. Centers are everywhere. Two center leagues are back, baby. Josh Giddy, uh, Gobert goes 60. Josh Giddy at 61. Who, you know, again, head-to-head build type of guys. Bro, Bro Lowe at 62. I love me some Brooke Lopez. He is going a lot earlier this year, and I am genuinely concerned that he went nuts last season to re-secure some cash. I, I don't know that he can post those kinds of numbers again. Tyrese Maxey at 63, very reasonable spot for him if Jade Har- James Harden gets moved, which it still feels like he will. Boncaro at 64, I don't have the full trust on going Boncaro that early. Um, Thad Young? That can't be right. What? Thaddeus Young goes 65. Somebody hit a wrong button or is trolling this draft. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, Cam Johnson at 66. Yeah, I actually like that one. We have some questions, by the way, in the YouTube chat. I'll get to those um, probably after we get to about pick 100 on this thing. You, to me, you can't get a whole lot out of a mock after pick 100. Although, kudos to the people in this draft. It's mostly been 10 out of 12 live humans the whole way through. Meredith and Steve are screwing up the joint. Yeah, that's right. I'll call your asses out, Meredith and Steve. You suck. I I get thinking about... Rest in peace, Bob Barker, man. Anytime I hear someone say, you suck. By the way, it's my turn. Uh, Oh, no. Oh, no. No. I wanted to wait and see where Chris Paul went, and I got auto-drafted Chris Paul. Confound it. Ah, you dummy, Dan. You weren't paying attention. You were too busy thinking about Happy Gilmore and the guy that calls him a jackass over and over again. And then I started to think about how much I loved Bob Barker on Happy Gilmore and Price is Right. And anyway, Michael Porter Jr. goes 70. Derek White goes 71. Buddy Heald, 72. Anthony Simons, 73. And Devin Vassell, 74. Um, I think Anthony Simons could be a top 50 player if Dame gets moved before the season starts. Uh, he's somehow getting underappreciated. If you remember when Dame missed about a, what, a three, four weeks last year, kind of early on, Simons and Jeremy Grant both were top 50 during that that swing. Clint Capella at 75. Mitchell Robinson's still on the board. I'm going to go Jalen Green, again, another player that I have no intention of drafting. If you're tuning in late, I'm largely drafting people that I am not taking in a league, with the exception of my first overall pick, I or first round pick. I, I, I am falling in love with Tyrese Halliburton. I'll just put that out there. And I don't know, I might feel differently a month from now. But right now, I feel like Indy's going to be going for it. And I think Halliburton's a top eight per game guy this year, top nine, top 10, probably at the very worst. Uh, but I think he plays like 73, 74 games. And I, I do think that gets him into the top five by totals. Franz Wagner goes 77. He's also not really someone that I'm super targeting. Daniel Gafford goes 78. There's another center. Jeremy Grant, 79. He'll be better than that if Dame gets moved. Marcus Smart at 80. 
I think I'd probably rather someone else do the Marcus Smart thing. I'm, I'm, I feel like it's going to be a decent year for him. I have confidence that he has a good fit in Memphis, and his steals numbers are probably going to be very high. Um, there's just a lot of stuff with Marcus Smart that could kind of go the wrong way. And there goes Zion, all the way down at 81. I cannot believe it. I'll say it, though. This feels like a year I might end up with Zion Williamson on a team for the first time ever. Knowing full well he probably plays 35 games. But I play a lot of Roto, so there you go. But Zion's a great fit for a head-to-head league if you think he's going to make it. Austin Reeves, Terry Rozier, one of those was an auto. I think think Rozier was the auto. Reeves was, I believe, drafted for realsies. Um, I love Austin's percentages, but he doesn't get any defensive stats, so he's going to really need a lot of a lot of usage in LA to have the year fantasy wise that we want him to have. He's just a, he's a wonderful fat fit. You could throw him on any team, but I, I think his fantasy numbers might be a bit overrated. And I love Austin Reeves, and I'm a Laker fan, so. Well, there goes Mitchell Robinson. He got auto-picked at 84. That dude was, I mean, I'll double-check myself on this one, but I'm fairly certain that Mitchell Robinson was around top 60 last year. Yeah, 53. Missed 23 ball games. Maybe that's the fear with him. He does get banged up, but, I mean, again, Clint Capella at 75. Mitchell Robinson at 84. Centers, centers everywhere. So let's all have a drink. Two center leagues... People wanted to kill two center leagues for about the last four years, but I always had faith that eventually you'd see more centers or center eligibility coming back. And uh, we've got it now. It's not to me like... I know I've made a big stink about ending your head-to-head leagues like three weeks early. I don't think that silly season is ever going away. They've tried to make tanking less advantageous, and it's just not really going to change it. And they've got the play-in tournament, so more teams are competing down the stretch. It's still silly because now the teams at the top go silly and the teams at the bottom go silly. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. I I always kind of felt like the center thing would work itself out, kind of like the shift in baseball, although they did put some measures in place on that. Eventually, the league just adjusts. John Morant uh, autoed at 85. Um... I'm not doing anything with Ja, 25 games off, and then he also gets dinged up. D'Angelo Russell, I think he was an auto at 86. See, now we're starting to get into the spot where you don't, the, the mock isn't telling us anything. So we'll wrap this thing up here pretty soon and get to the questions. Kuzma at 87. Meh. McCollum at 88. Yeah, I'd take that plunge. D'Anthony Melton at 89. Feels like could be a lot of fun if Harden gets moved. Jakob Pertle, another center going super-duper late. Uh-oh, I'm going to get auto-picked someone. Got auto-picked Miles Bridges, apparently. Uh, Markel Fultz at 91. That's actually a pretty good pick. I feel like he usually goes earlier than that. Middleton at 92 is a good swing at that point. Miles Bridges at 93. I got autoed there, but that's sort of reasonable spot for him. Andrew Wiggins, 94. I like that one. Spencer Dinwiddie, 95. Klay Thompson, 96. A lot of really good values here in the 90s. But again, I think now we've we've fallen to like four or five auto-drafting teams. Here's the thing. Once you get to this many auto-drafting teams, this is why you can't trust it. Guys like uh, Wiggins and Dinwiddie and Thompson, these guys probably go five, six, seven picks earlier if these other teams are alive. There's just like, it's not a lot, but it's somewhere between three and ten picks that went earlier than they would have if everybody was a real person. So... 
I'm going to click myself out of this draft now. I'm just going to flip auto on. You guys can watch it in the background here. I'll turn the um, there's the draft board so you guys can see what it what it looked like while I'm talking. Um, actually, not a bad turnout here. A lot of you folks are are itching for some basketball chatter on Labor Day morning, I guess. Uh, again, a reminder to those listening after the fact, please do hang with us on YouTube.com slash Sports Ethos. If you're watching live, please hit that thumbs up button. It actually makes a really big deal. People then are able to find the show. It sort of drops into other feeds. YouTube has their various search algorithms uh, and subscribe. But let's get into some of the questions here if you're watching with us live. Uh, Mir says, new to fantasy. Why is Giannis drafted so low in every mock? He puts up crazy numbers, I thought. And, and this is a good question. Sometimes I get into the habit of doing these shows because I've been doing this pod for like five and a half, six years now where you don't get into some of the, the more basic strategic stuff. So the issue with Giannis is that he, if you're in a category league, Amir, he will lose you free throws every single week. That's basically the long and short of it. He was like outside the top 180 last year if you were trying to win free throws and if you were punting free throws, which is a term used to suggest that you just don't care about it, you're comfortable with losing that category in whatever format you're playing, he was like number nine. But he's been banged up lately. So that's another reason why, you know, historically he goes in the top three or four because teams just lean into the free throw build. He's going a little deeper this year, I think, because folks are like, look, but you know, Giannis, he's wonderful and he puts up obscene numbers, but he missed 19 games last year. And it's been sort of a steady increase on that as Milwaukee needs the regular season less and less. And so... Maybe we can't trust him quite as much. Host of our baseball show here at Sports Ethos, Fantasy MLB Today, the great Joe Orico says, Harden at 18 seems pretty reasonable. No? Uh, well, I don't I don't know where he's going to be. So for me, uh, I have Harden anxiety right now. If we find out he's staying in Philadelphia, then I think he probably uh, puts forth like 80% effort until they move him. And if he gets traded to the Clippers, there's probably just not enough for him to do there to stay in that range. He was number 17 per game last year uh, in nine category leagues. He missed 24 ball games. And I don't, there aren't that many teams out there in my eye that give him more responsibility at this point of his career. The one that jumps out as a possibility is is like if the Bulls took a shot on him and sent Zach Levine out and Harden came in and was basically the guy that initiated the offense most of the time and wasn't playing with someone as ball-dominant as Joel Embiid. Now, DeMar would take a lot of shots and Vooch would get some looks, but Harden would get more. And then if we find out that that's where he is, then yeah, I'd probably, I mean, 18 feels pretty reasonable. But in the Clippers, I think he's worse than that. Philly, I think he's worse than that. And and whatever other teams you can kind of pull out of the sky, I think he probably ends up worse than 18 per game. Head-to-head uh, -head build, he's probably a little bit more interesting because of the hyper-elite assists. Uh, he gives you the big-time free-throw numbers. He's you know another guy who's like very, very good at a few things and then has some more glaring weaknesses, but it's even, it's not as uh, pronounced as you might think, because, like, steals are okay, blocks are actually fine for him, rebounds are decent, his scoring is lower in these, this, this, the Philly role, 
Maybe the scoring comes back up if he goes someplace else like a Chicago. Uh, but I have a lot of hardened anxiety. So um, that's why I'm probably not going uh, that direction. JL made a comment about Giannis posting about going hard this year. I, I, yeah, I mean, guys can say whatever they want, but ultimately the Bucks had the best regular season record in basketball and got wiped out by the Heat. You know, so how hard do you really need to go in the regular season? You got the thing you try to get during the regular season, and it didn't help last year. They needed a better Chris Middleton. They needed the right level of focus in that series, and they didn't have it. Gerard says you can win any league with Giannis as long as you have the right pieces around him. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, you can get away with punting one category in Roto. You can very much get away with punting one category in head-to-head. Um, but I just, I don't think he's playing a ton of, I don't know that he gets over 65 games this year. Especially if Middleton is healthy, then they really don't need him for every single game. Oh, sorry, Harumph, I didn't see this one. Can you draft Ty Ty Washington with your next pick for the memes? Um, sure. Let me, let me go back into the draft board here and, uh... Did he already go? We'll find out if he went. There's Ty Ty. I'll, we'll put him at the top of the queue, so he'll get he'll go he'll get auto drafted the next time it comes looping around here. You are welcome, good sir. Uh, Jordan Poole is an incredible in a punt field goal turnover with Cade or Trey. Yeah, honestly, I think you could I think you could go Jordan Poole even if you weren't in a full punt because he shot forty three percent from the field last year. You can cover that up with a lot of big men in the NBA. Daniel Gafford did more for your field goal percent in the positive direction than Jordan Poole did in the negative. Now, Poole probably gets more shots in Washington, so that negative potentially gets larger. But remember, he's had seasons where he shot 44, 45, 46%. It's not a guarantee that he stays as low as 43 in a place where he's wanted. I really do believe that he was out there looking over his shoulder in Golden State every single game. I, I think we may be putting too much into the Jordan Poole punt stuff, and he may actually be more of a just bad at category guy as opposed to a full detonate you in that category. Harumph says, I'm joining an auction mock on Yahoo in 10 minutes. There are five people in it so far, so it might be a good one. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Austin, Re won't Reeves' numbers go up because AD and LBJ are destined to sit a lot? Um, yeah, um, I don't, like, I don't know that they sit much more than they missed last year. So, yes and no. I'd actually be more inclined to be a little more bullish on D'Angelo Russell because of guys taking rest games. Because uh, I think Reeves is going to be in there, and he's going to be doing stuff every game. It it's more the issue with Austin that, his complete lack of defensive stats caps his upside. Uh, I love his scoring is good. His free throws are a massive plus. When those guys are sitting, the assists will be a little bit better. And then the percentages are nice. And you guys know I love percentages. But usually percentages guys are falling in drafts, and Reeves isn't. So, I don't know. Um... What do we got here? I plan to go Giannis. Would you pair with Sabonis, Anthony Davis, or Anthony Edwards? Um, I would lean probably Sabonis. A lot of people are going Ant, and I get that because that covers some of the three-point issue. If I'm going Giannis, I might be just going punt, free throw, and three-pointers. And Sabonis is likely to play in a crap ton of games. Well, I guess Ant does make sense in that regard. And 
you don't need Sabonis' field goal percent because Giannis covers that for you. I'm probably not going AD because I'm too worried about having two guys at the top of the draft that might play 60 games this year. So I, I'm... I, if you if I didn't have Giannis, I would probably go Anthony Davis because I think per game he's probably your your best selection there. With Giannis, I, I probably lean Sabonis and look into maybe punting a couple of categories. Um, Ant puts you in better position for scoring, that's for sure. But I don't know. I just still feel like Sabonis may have the edge in per game by a little bit. Dembert says, I disagree that Giannis is a guaranteed loss in free throw, especially in head-to-head. Percentages are super volatile on a week-to-week basis. Okay, fine, but going like 2-18 and 18 in free throw over 20 weeks is effectively a guaranteed loss. I get that you might have two to three weeks in there where Giannis like magically shoots 80% and you win those weeks, which by the way still isn't a guarantee that you win those weeks. But most of the time... Giannis is going to lose you free throw percent. People are, I think, over-interpreting when I say a guaranteed loss. If you have Giannis on your team, you assume you are losing free throw percent. Assuming otherwise is a recipe for a mess. He shot 64.5% at the line on 12 free throws per game. He was the single worst by-volume free throw shooter that we've seen in the NBA, weighted since, like, prime Shaq or prime Dwight Howard. It's been over a decade. You assume you lose that category, and if you win it, you just say, great. Great. You will be, if you're in Roto, bottom three, and if you're head-to-head, you will also be bottom three. That means you might tumble into a win every once in a while. You're right. It's not a guaranteed loss, but it's damn near close. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This was a busier Labor Day one than I expected. We got a bunch of questions. Um, Tomorrow, again, I have no idea. I might end up doing a show tonight to cover tomorrow's because I really just don't know if I'm going to be able to do a show tomorrow. Um, Stay tuned. Subscribe. YouTube.com slash Sports Ethos. Obviously, follow the the podcast Fantasy NBA Today. We do. uh, I'm trying to do everything on both channels right now. But ultimately... uh, one is easier to follow. One, you need to be able to have access to YouTube with pods. I think you can listen to it while you're doing other stuff. So there's kind of like advantages to all the fronts on that on that side. Uh, draft guide, by the way, dropping at Sports Ethos probably tomorrow. Didn't want to do it on a holiday, but maybe they should have. And a last question before we trickle out. How do you feel about CJ McCollum if Zion does play a lot? McCollum's probably a top 80 range guy in that something like that. He's like he's going roughly where he should be. But you'll get some nice scoring and some other stuff later in drafts. He's, his percentages are not going to be great. I'm not a big C.J. McCollum guy, but he's finally going probably down where he should have gone last year when we faded him. And now you can... He's kind of like old Manny at this point because he's going at 85, 90 range instead of 50 or 60 when last year I was like, I don't know about that. And uh, now I feel better about it. So... Weird show today. I know for those listening, you're used to more of the canned episode. This was this was the freewheeling live mock, and that is going to be our show here on Labor Day. But again, please do hit the thumbs up. Please subscribe. Drop a five-star, all that good stuff. And go check out the Fantasy Pass, the NBA Fantasy Pass, or the All-Sport Fantasy Pass at Sports Ethos, because those are going up in price starting tomorrow. Last chance, sportsethos.com. 
at Dan Bespris. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I do really hope that you will. We do a lot of stuff on social media this time of year. It's mostly question asking just to kind of get a feel for how the general universe is feeling about stuff. But also, as we find things, we'll point them out. And um, as we get closer to the start of the season, we'll start doing more kind of in-depth stuff on social as well. So, again, that's at Dan Bespris. Have a great Labor Day, everyone. Enjoy your barbecues, and we'll talk at you tomorrow. So long for now.